Hi, everyone, and welcome to the EBA Academy. Um, as always, I'm Aaron Smith, and I'm joined by Nancy Bakeman, and we're excited to be with you here uh, today. We're joined by Chef Andrew Fourlines. Andrew is with the Appliance Academy. Uh, many of you will remember him. Uh, Andrew actually cooked with us at the EBA Showcase House in Denver a couple of years ago. It was the Thrive Zero Energy Now home. Uh, I think we have a picture of that at the end, but did a cooking demonstration on some of the cutting edge appliances. And just as you're listening, um, you can answer, enter questions in the Q&A section and we'll ask those to Chef Four Lines. And I think if you're looking for training for your own design center or uh, your own customers, uh, Appliance Academy is a great resource that you can tap into uh, for that. And Andrew, you'll tell us kind of how, you know, are we having success converting customers to these appliances in the future? And you'll talk about some differences, different appliances in the future. Um, but I want to welcome you. Uh, it's great to see you again. Uh, you're based out of Denver, we yep. know. And um, we'll hand it over to you. All right. Well, thank you so much, Aaron, for having me on. Yeah, we did do uh, the cooking up at the Thrive event, the EBA event in Denver. That was a lot of fun at the Showcase Kitchen using all the electric appliances there, the high efficiency. So we'll talk about that. Uh, yeah, so thank you so much for mentioning the Appliance Academy. That's where I'm offering my services in helping customers and kitchen designers understand and builders, whoever is interested, but uh, understanding the latest and greatest cooking technology for the home kitchen um, it's always changing. There's always this new infusion of technology. And what we'll get into today is a lot of that actually is coming from the fine dining restaurant industry. So my background is in restaurants, hotels, fine dining. Um, and so that technology has been uh, adapted for home use and, and manufactured by those residential uh, makers. Uh, so there's a lot to sift through, especially in the premium end of built-in appliances, whether we're looking for efficiency um, and your low carbon impact that, that Eve is driven towards or your high technology connectivity, smart home kind of stuff, you know, all of that comes into play. And then every brand is, is pitted against each other and wants you to buy theirs, obviously. So there's a lot of um, different messaging out there. And I try to be as unbiased um, as I can be and really just explain the technology itself, the base techniques that can be done with them and then help people decide what suits their needs best because everybody comes at this a little differently. People don't realize necessarily that other people cook differently than they do. So uh, in the profession, we, we do a lot of asking questions of like, how are you going to utilize this? And then helping people understand um, what, what features and functions would suit them best, right? Um, mm -hmm. And then in the determining the, what, what suits up for them, right? But today yeah. I've got some slides. Oh, yeah. go ahead. You have a question? No, I was just going to say, I mean, Chef, it's an interesting take, right? So I think that you're seeing this technology deploy in commercial grade restaurant grade mm -hmm. kitchens. But I think that I also learned from you that in many other parts of the world, this technology is fully deployed. It's oh, absolutely. ubiquitous, right? Mm -hmm. So it's new to us in the United States, but uh, we're there's been a lot of news lately. I mean, since we were promoting this a couple of years back, I think it's been in the headlines of why people may want to go um, toward uh, some of the new technology that, that mm -hmm. performs better, but is perhaps healthier for your family. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, specifically around the induction cooking, how we're, you know, a lot of people are getting away from gas, uh, open flame burning in the home. Um, yeah. And the implementation in Europe is, is much greater. I mean, I've heard it 70 to 80% of the homes have induction um, for a variety of reasons. A large one being their electrical costs, uh, power costs have always been higher than, than ours uh, in America. And so, um, you know, they've, they've always had that, uh, that pressure to, to be efficient. Um, you also look at um, yeah, the, the, the home cooking, just, they kind of skipped the gas burning and went to induction right from electric. So you see a lot more in induction used. I've used induction in the commercial industry, you know, in restaurants and, and banquets and places for a long time. Cause we use a little bit of everything. We use the best tool for the job. Um, and we can get into some of the specifics there on each of these appliances. So, uh, I'm sharing my slides. Do you see those? All right. Yeah, we do. All right, great. So yeah, this this is titled the Interactive Modern Kitchen. Uh, I'm Chef Andrew Fourlines. You can find out more about me at appliance-academy.com where I'm building out a lot of um, online resources for people to utilize to understand technology in the home kitchen better. And then also services as a consultant for kitchen designers and homeowners looking to have that personalized engagement where we can do a virtual session for me to understand what your project looks like and then help guide and answer any questions in an unbiased way. I've been in the industry for several years. Um, I came from fine dining. My background's at, from the Broadmoor Hotel, which is a five-star five, uh, diamond hotel here in Colorado. Uh, I played in Chicago at the fine dining modernist cuisine, so the molecular gastronomy movement, where we were utilizing a lot of uh, laboratory technology. You'll see behind me uh, on this side is my polyscience immersion circulator. That's the big, big bad monster that came, you know, we started, chefs started buying laboratory technology to have that precision cooking uh, and now you see those, you know, at, at retail stores where they have the small wand that um, a lot of people are able to do sous vide cooking with. So I've always been very interested in food science, uh, fine dining, and also the technology. So you've got to have your appliances, you've got to have those cooking techniques and technologies to be able to make food, um, especially certain types of precision uh, cooking. So you know, my general thrust here is going to be consumers are buying outdated home kitchen appliance technology, the new electric kitchen, you know, I focus a lot on all electric, so you'll see a lot of the technology is going to be all electric getting away from the gas, more power precision and control, which has always been, you know, what humanity is seeking uh, throughout human history is a refinement of our technology from open fires to pitted fires to the hearth. Um, so, you know, now we're seeing really driven precision control. The modernist cuisine movement really highlights that where, you know, the, the joke of, you know, putting food on the plate with tweezers and whatnot, but it really is about honing in that, that control and precision cooking for optimizing the integrity of the food itself, better efficiency, um, smaller carbon footprint are all things that, that can go with, with the, the modern kitchen appliance portfolio. Well, Chef, I think what it's interesting what you're saying on that last slide about, I mean, you're we're going to make a decision, right? Mm -hmm. And that decision might stay with our home for 10 or 20 or 30 years. It might stay with us is be educated enough to make the best cooking decision, the best uh, culinary decision, and perhaps the best energy efficiency decision 
at the point when you're going to renovate or remodel or replace an appliance, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it, you know, it's a it's a big decision. It's not something to take lightly. Um, what when I'm you know I work in fine the premium appliance showrooms quite often, working one on one with clients that come in and have questions in conjunction with the sales staff. So I don't do any direct sales. I just do education and events. So I I show off the technology, um, and people come in and and there's some misconceptions and there's some information they're bringing in that's that's you know in the last decade uh, we've seen just a huge explosion of technology and what what's frustrating for someone you know that's trying to help people make educated decision making is like kitchen remodeling people do it enough to feel comfortable with it but they don't do it often enough to do it well so if you look at you know what is it the average home kitchen build out or remodel is going to be like seven years something like that um, on the, on the frequent end. Right. But really a homeowner is only going to do this twice, maybe three times in, in their home owner, you know, career there. So people do come in with a lot of information that, that may be outdated, but they're not necessarily coming in with open eyes to be updated. Right. So I, I have to let them know new things exist and that that technology is not a trend, not just a fad it's tested, it's trusted, give it credibility also explain how they could benefit from it, right? Um, and get them to consider it all, all in a very short amount of time. So that's why I'm trying to go and get ahead of the process as much as possible so that there is more, um, uh, more open-mindedness of, of when people get into this. So getting to the kitchen designers um, in that beginning of the, the decision process, because what we're seeing a lot is customers coming in with their floor plan built out, learning about new technology, which has a different footprint, and then having to go back and get it redesigned, which the kitchen designer doesn't want to do the same job twice. So some of the kitchen firms that I work with are actually sending clients to get their appliances figured out first before they design the kitchen around it, which makes sense. But if we were looking at a, a stagnant industry where you had fridge, dishwasher range, the same size for so long, because there wasn't a huge variation of what they could do, you know, people got comfortable with that, right? with thinking that that's the footprint or the only footprint. Whereas now it, we're seeing a huge variety of technology available where you are having to make more decisions and have to be educated to be able to do it. You have to determine which of these features and functions fit you best. So it is an undertaking. And the appliance showrooms are kind of like, if imagine if every car dealership was under one roof, they're all gonna be clamoring for your attention and your dollars. So um, you, you just kind of have to put in some effort to understand the different brands and, and who, what technologies they highlight and, and utilize best. Um, so the technology we're gonna get into today, you know, induction burners, which are electric powered, but are not at all like the old electric burners that we think of, which are the foil or the glass top that gets glowing red hot. So if it gets glowing red hot, that's an old electric, uh, thermal burner or resistance burner. It's not what we would call induction. So induction burners are using a whole different technology. Steam and speed ovens are variations on your standard convection oven. We're seeing specialty ovens really taking a highlighted part of the kitchen. So think of the old double stacked wall burn, uh, ovens. You know, the double oven was kind of your industry standard for a long time. And now we're starting to see these double stacks where the top oven is a specialty oven, which will go into those features and functions. And the bottom oven is usually your standard convection oven, which almost becomes the secondary or spillover cooking space where the 
day-to-day -day use, the workhorse is gonna be that specialty oven and we'll see the, the different types of those. Automated cooking is really taking, um, you know, a bit a, a main step here because we're seeing smart connectivity. So I can do a lot of app driven appliance um, interaction, which enables us to have more pre program cycles, cooking recipes, guided recipes. Those touch screens now are starting to have, you know, full, full displays so we can see picture um, graphs of, of what to cook and how. Uh, and each brand is, is approaching this differently and each brand is integrating it in their own way but we're seeing uh, some standardization there where we're, we're we're seeing a younger clientele that wants that hands-on smart interface so that you know that you can get tips and learn as you're cooking whereas some of the older style would have been i tell my oven what to do and i already know what to do so if if you um you know, have a foundational of cooking knowledge, you may not be as inclined to want these technologies or these, these interfaces, but, but there is a clientele for it for sure. Uh, the connected appliances, like I mentioned, you know, we talk about remote control or turning your oven on and off with your phone, which has its place, but I, I look at it more of just extending my reach from the kitchen. So instead of out of home cooking, I'm, I'm more focused on other room cooking, which is I can glance at my phone and see the oven's temperature. If there's an internal probe, I can see the internal temperature of the food I'm cooking. And I can do that um, similar to what people do a lot with grilling and slow cooking barbecue. We're seeing these remote thermometers built you know, that you can relay into your phone. We're seeing that built into to, to our ovens to where, yeah, I can feel more relaxed knowing that I can keep an eye on my cooking. And if I have guests coming over, I can greet them, engage them, have a glass of wine and not have to be standing over the oven the whole time. So it really enables us to do more um, with less effort when we start to learn how to use it. And then if there are any questions, go ahead and put those in the Q&A section. We're, we're going to answer a lot of those. Anything I don't cover, I do like to, to make sure I'm, I'm getting the questions that, that, that people have. So we'll, we'll get to those um, for sure. So with the induction burners, you know, a lot of people have this idea. They say, oh, well, you're a chef. You must love gas cooking. And they say, well, gas cooking is, you know, that's the ultimate, right? Well, people don't realize that there's a lot of messaging out there that's deliberate on, um, you know, they've actually they've actually written about the, the gas uh, companies doing, um, you know, marketing campaigns around gas burners to make them, to make their image, you know, what it is. And yes, gas cooking um, has, you know, open flame cooking has its, its pros and cons. And what, what I come against, and this is something that I don't hear discussed a lot in the industry, in the residential space, is not all gas cooking is the same, Commercial and residential gas burners are drastically different, okay? So when people say, well, you must like cooking with gas. Yeah, I love cooking with commercial gas in a commercial kitchen where I have BTU output that's 30, 40,000 per burner up to 100,000 or more for wok burners where we're doing high intense heat uh, cooking. It's very, very inefficient. Uh, but then when you look at the residential side, they're built to residential specifications and building codes and heat outputs that are limited because we have cabinetry, we can't get too hot. We have people living in a domicile that you don't have that issue at restaurants. So the infrastructure around it is completely different, meaning the heat output is completely different. So when you look at gas burners, we're, you know, the, the average is 
like 8,000 BTUs, something like that. You can get up to 20,000 BTUs on your high high burner in residential burners. You know, your blue stars and that stuff can go to 20, 25,000. That's the tops. Whereas 12,000 to 18,000 is your high temp burner on, on your on your standard commercial or residential range, right? So much lower than what I'm used to commercially. So when I'm working in the showrooms, I rarely ever use the gas burners because it's underpowered for what I'm used to cooking, right? When you look at induction, we're at 30,000. I think most of them are 35,000 BTU equivalent. So already you're, you're much greater heat output than you are with gas. When you factor in efficiency, you know, you're getting really benefits there because induction is 90% efficient. Whereas old coil electric tops are about 75% efficient and um, the gas is about 40% efficient. So 60% of the gas that you bought, you burn, turns to heat that goes right around the pan before that metal can absorb that heat, right? Let alone all the gases and chemicals that are, that are being emitted. And then you want to have ventilation to, to deal with that air. When you get into home ventilation, once you get over 400 CFM cubic feet a minute of leaving the home, you know, usually by building code, it's around the 400 CFM, but building codes vary uh, depending where you're building. Um, then you have to have makeup air, which is a whole other HVAC project, which is putting a hole in the house with a damper, which is a passive intake system for air. You can't just promise to open a window every time you cook. It has to be a passive system because Homes now, as you well know, are so efficient and so well sealed, that envelope is so sealed, any air going out has to be compensated for or factored in to so have air coming in. That air has to be heated and treated and filtered. So in the winter, you're bringing cold air in, right? So, you know, a lot of that can balloon your project, especially when you're going premium and you want a 48 inch range with all the gas burners, then you have to have a huge ventilation requirement, which then means that makeup air has to be made. So you can see a snowballing of this project and at the end of it, you're going to have less heat output than induction can do, right? So you've got lower heat output um, with a gas burner. It doesn't matter how chunky your gas range looks. It doesn't matter how, what color the knobs are. There's building specifications. These companies can't build them to have this unrestricted heat output. So for that reason, you know, I'm already saying gas is disadvantaged at home. And, you know, for comparison, restaurant commercial build outs, the most expensive part is the ventilation and fire suppression system built in right over your cookware. So we're talking heat induced automatic fire extinguisher, you know, chemicals coming down if, if a fire was to take place and ventilation that can really move that air out. So that compensates for it. Any, you know, people want commercial ranges, anything, as soon as you put it into a home, a domicile, it voids its warranty. So it's going to be really hard to get those. And I've seen them in homes. People have done it where they're sneaking in a Volrath or, um, you know, a Hobart or whatever commercial grade range, but they don't have the insulation. So they put a ton of heat out. They're not efficient. And then they're not serviceable by and large because the warranty is void. Um, a lot of the people that are qualified to work on them aren't going to do it for insurance purposes. So I've met quite a few people with, they, hey, I got this commercial gas burning stove in my home, but it's slowly breaking down because nobody will service it. Um, and so, you know, you, you got to factor that in. Um, I'm a big fan of induction. I've had it in my home for a long time. You can go but get back into that power, precision, and control. You know, I can control the heat. I've got higher highs and lower lows. You're going to boil water faster. You're going to have higher heat output. 
and then the lower lows so I can have a really true low, low simmer, right? I can simmer soup for a long time broths. I can melt chocolate um, in a pot without scorching it. So I don't need that double boiler that you traditionally need, which is simmering water with a bowl on top to keep that temperature down. So I can have really low temperatures melting um, delicate things there. Chef, what's the auto overheat shutoff and what, is, what does that do for me? Yeah, great question. So, you know, with an induction, the way it works is it's an electric, uh, electromagnetic generator, generates a magnetic field. It's a copper coil with copper wound around it. So when you power that on and off in microbursts, you're, you're changing, um, you know, one way to think about it is you're changing the polarity thousands of times a second, which then excites the, the, the metal trying to align with it. So you create friction in the metal itself. That's why um, the cookware has to be magnetic material, ferrous, um, iron, right? So the burner cannot activate on its own without cookware, without metal to interact with, right? So you cannot turn it on without having that heat, that cookware. And it doesn't have to be special cookware. It just has to be compatible. Cast iron is, is inexpensive and works really well. Most of your stainless steels are going to work with it. A lot of Cookware is multi-layered or multi-ply, which means it's got copper, it's got iron, it's got aluminum, and then it's all clad, which is where the brand gets its name, all clad, in stainless steel. So it's a better surface um, to be able to clean and it won't rust, but you're going to have the benefits because every metal interacts differently. So getting back to yeah, what your question is, uh, the auto overheat shutoff, most the all induction burners that I've encountered have a heat sensor underneath and when you turn it on and you leave it on say an emergency pulls you away and that pan gets really really hot all the water evaporates out and it's burning it actually has a temperature sensor that says okay you're above cooking temperature i don't know if it's 500 600 degrees but it says you're above what people cook in so we're going to shut off and it will just automatically shut off whereas gas being a manual valve isn't going to do that. And, and electric, they don't have that built in either. So we do see a lot of safety features. Um, you're seeing the automatic shut off if it gets too hot and says you're, you're, you're not cooking, you're burning, and we're going to shut you off. You can't turn a burner on unless there's metal, a pan, cookware um, on there. So you could press all the buttons, you could turn them all on to high, and it's just going to beep at you and say, there's nothing, there's, I can't put power out and there's nothing to receive it. So you can't have it accidentally turn on. Um, we're seeing more and more of them where they can be connected uh, to an app so that if I'm out and about and I think, oh my gosh, did I leave my oven on? Did I leave my stove on? You can pull up the app and it'll say what's on, if anything's on, or you can automatically shut it off if you've got remote enabled. Uh, so you have those safety features. We're seeing, you know, because it's so efficient and the heat is only in the cookware itself, the glass and the burner don't get hot except for the radiant heat coming back down from the cookware, which means we're not having a lot of spillover heat. So I can cook in the summer and not heat up the whole kitchen, right? Because so much, it's so concentrated, the heat. So we're seeing a lot of, actually a lot of aging in place um, and retirement homes adopting induction because of all those safety features I mentioned. And then you think about retirement uh, as usually a hotter climate, right? Arizona, mm -hmm. Florida. We're starting to see more and more of those adapting induction because we're not heating up the whole house just to cook a meal, right? Nice. Yeah. Did we cover cover a lot of stuff yeah. there on induction? I know I get going and there's so many things. Oh, that was great. Um, great. 
So and can you just talk about that disc that's to the right there? Because that's mm. something yeah. interesting if somebody wants to try. Absolutely. Yeah. So induction, you know, you don't have to make the, the commitment to a, a full burner cooktop or range. There are so many amazing plug-in countertop induction burners, single burners that, that work fantastic, right? So it's going to be 110, plug it into a regular outlet because it's a single burner. You can get a good amount of, of power out of it um, to, 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 to test out that performance, to see if you want to try induction. We're even seeing a lot of, you know, in Colorado where, where I'm based out of, I know a lot of them, the energy departments and municipalities actually have lender programs where you can borrow an induction burner. Um, I'm not sure how long, if it's a few weeks or whatnot, um, but you could take it home and, and try it out and get a feel for what it's like to cook with. Um, you know, the power output is so much greater at home. I rarely put my range burner over three quarters <laughs> heat, unless I'm boiling water, right? Where it's thermally dense and, and needs a lot of energy. I'm not sauteing, I'm not browning, searing and stuff on high, high temperature. I'm doing it a little bit lower. Um, so we do need to adjust a little bit of um, getting used to what the heat output is and what, how it's gonna impact your, how fast it preheats, right? You don't wanna start cooking, um, like you would over gas, which can be a slower process. But these these burners are great. This specific one is called a Heston Q. And it goes with this pan. And you'll see this handle here actually comes off so that you can put a battery in. It has a Bluetooth enabled uh, heat sensor in the pan. So they synchronize together, the burner and the cookware. So where I can change the temperature through my app uh, by temperature and not just high, medium, low, I can say, hey, I want to sear at 375 degrees. The next step of that is they both synchronize with an app which has video guided recipes. So you actually have prompting, hey, turn turn the food over. They'll automatically change the temperature for you as you're going through your cooking process. And then the reason it's on this specific cooktop is this is monogram. GE licensed all this technology from Heston Q, which means it's integrated into a lot of their induction ranges and cooktops. So all you have to do is buy the, the cookware that integrates with it. Um, I've seen a lot of times GE, if you buy their cooktop, they'll send you one of these for free um, post-purchase, depending on their rebate program or whatever incentive they have going on at the time. I can't guarantee it, right? But we're seeing a lot of that so that people can actually get, like I have at home, a GE cafe range that has all this technology built into the burners from the factory. So I can hook up this cooktop uh, pan cookware and use the app right away. So we're seeing a lot of technology in that way we're um, integrated in. Amazing. Yeah. Okay, so any questions on the induction, go ahead and put those in Q&A, we'll get to those. We'll move on to these specialty ovens. So, you know, convection ovens are really, for me, the standard. I know conventional ovens are still around, which is what um, maybe a lot of people are used to. So a conventional oven just has a heating element on the bottom. We used to see them, um, you know, that exposed coil if it was electric, and then you could put tin foil under it to catch all your drippings or whatnot. Now we're seeing most all ovens have the heating element underneath the floor of the oven. So you can't put a drip uh, aluminum on there because it'll, it'll burn it into the metal itself. Um, but conventional would be that heating element on the bottom heats up and then the passive radiant heat is gonna rise through the oven. So the bottom will always be hotter. So when we do have recipes, 
you know, with that conventional oven, you might see browner, you know, cookies brown on the bottom, but not the top. Convection is just the fan moving the air around so that it's not a passive transfer of heat. It's a more uh, instant re replenishing of the heat, especially when the food is absorbing that heat. All the heat around the food is inside the food, so it cools off the air around it. When we move that air, we're replenishing that heat quicker, so we get faster cooking, more even cooking, better browning and roasting on the outside. And the best way to compensate your old recipes for that is just lower the temperature 25 degrees. So a lot of convection ovens, when you do it, the default is 325 degrees as opposed to 350. Um, convection is a technical food science term, you know, convection. Is really just means we're, we're using a medium to transfer the heat. So there's three ways that heat transfer. There's conduction, which is surface to surface, that's sauteing and searing. The heat is gonna conduct through the through the, the heat source, the pan to the surface of the food. Convection is the use of a medium, air or water um, are usually your two mediums that, that you're using most. Um, and so your, your heating elements heat that medium and then the medium heats the food itself. And then there's radiation or infrared heat, right? And that's a broiler, that's a toaster, that's the sun, that's the glowing red coals of, of, of your grill. That radiation is using light waves. So it's a not, um, it's using light. So it's surface to surface or it's, it's heat emission to the surface of the food, not transferring through the air. Um, so you get a more drastic heat uh, induction in, or in, impact in the food. So that's why we broil things to brown them to finish. That's why we char foods um, and that kind of stuff on, on, on grills that way. Um, and so that's, you know, just basically to understand, you know, the different methodology that we're moving heat, we're transferring heat. And so when we're now talking about steam ovens, we're talking about an oven here. This is a steam oven. They're usually a little bit smaller than a standard oven because when we're adding steam, you know, we don't want to have to add a ton of volume of water um, into there. So, um, you know, the bigger the oven, the more water we're going to have to suspend as steam. But when we when we get steam in there, we're going to be able to transfer heat into the food much quicker and much more evenly. So uh, water is. Um, 800 times denser than air. So it's a much better medium to transfer heat and it's much more efficient. So um, there's there's your, your temperature and then your heat transfer um, of your medium. You know, you wanna, wanna maximize those, right? So an air oven, you're, you're gonna have a high heat, but you've got a low transfer rate. So it takes longer to bake and think of um, simmering food is gonna, it, it's gonna cook much quicker in water. So when we add, say, even just 20% humidity, which you can control in a lot of these ovens, you're just going to speed up that cooking process. You're going to make the air more dense. You're going to have more heat transfer, and you're still going to get browning on your roasting, especially if you turn the humidity off at the end. You can crisp it at the end. But I'll roast chickens and get good browning on them with just a little bit of humidity. And the steam ovens have been the standard, the gold standard in restaurants for decades. So we have the, we call it combi oven, combination um that have been the gold standard since the 1970s when rationale came out with their steam oven so you'll see a lot of, of high-end restaurants and kitchens have those where we're integrating steam we're controlling steam and convection um, you can change you know humidity points very precisely 
most of your residential versions have low, medium, high steam or yes, no steam. The Mila, I've seen the most comprehensive humidity by percentage point um, control, which is what we want. And so you're able to do a lot of stuff in there. I can steam, poach, um, you can sous vide now in there. Sous vide cooking is uh, putting food in a, in a food grade bag, plastic bag, food safe bag, uh, sucking all the air out so that it's sealed. And then the heat is going to be processed through and cooked in the moisture within the food itself, as opposed to exposing that food to air or water, which are very empty and want to take food and flavor and nutrition out of your food. So think of boiling vegetables, the water turns green because all that flavor and nutrients coming out. When we seal it in a bag, we, we seal everything in, which means uh, you get a much more intensely flavored and nutritious food. And then you can also precisely cook it because of that density. Thinking of a dry oven, when we turn it on to say 350, that's the average temperature it wants to maintain. The heating element is going to turn on and off like a home furnace. You have peaks and valley of heat. So 350 is the average it wants to maintain. Because water is so much denser, we're able to pass more molecules over a heating element. We're able to maintain that temperature more consistently. So with steam ovens and immersion circulators, which are water baths or, or a water oven in essence, you've got such control that you have a zero variance or a half degree variance um, in, that, in that heat medium, which means I can precision cook food that are in the, the, those environments as opposed to an oven, which has fluctuations, which means, you know, you know, what makes sous vide cooking so great is that we can have that precise temperature we want to cook our protein to. So that steak is, is that doneness throughout without the, the risk of overcooking. Um, that's where we really see it shine. Um, so that's the steam oven. When we go over to speed oven, we see convection plus microwave. So we're seeing this as more of a convenience oven for people that are busy that want cooking to be done quickly. We're seeing, uh, you know, busy families, young children are able to use a convection microwave oven before they would, I would let a kid use a range or, you know, an oven, I would let them use a microwave, right? Well, if we have a microwave that also has convection oven technology in it, we're able to get the best of both worlds where we're microwaving a little bit to speed up the cooking from the inside out while also getting that that quality cook from the outside in with the convection. So you're not sacrificing flavor or quality of food, um, but you're getting some of the benefit of the added speed. You're also seeing the interface of the speed ovens mimicking that of a microwave. So it has settings and it has cooking cycles that have a beginning and an end, not a on and an off. So that means you can scroll through the menu and say, hey, I want baked potatoes or baked chicken breast, or for kids, some of those pre-made foods that are, that are quicker to cook, um, but we're gonna have that higher quality of, of, of end product. So we're seeing speed ovens uh, integrated quite a bit. One thing to meet, uh, note uh, with speed ovens and uh, microwaves in general, is asking and finding out if that specific model has a, an inverter, a power inverter. So microwaves, even when we set most of your microwaves, you know, out of the box countertop microwaves, if I say, hey, I want 40% power, it's 100% power output 40% of the time that you duration that you've, you've programmed it for, right? So if I do it a minute, right, 40% of that is, is gonna be 100% power output. So say I'm trying to soften butter, 
you know, even if you do that at a low power output, you're still getting high intensity. So you're still getting that, that hole melted in the middle and then the rest of the stick is, is um, still cold. Whereas an inverter actually can adjust the power output so that we're getting say 20% power output 100% of the time. So that's where it really benefits us in this convection plus microwave setting. Um, we're seeing 20% microwave. So we're gently cooking from the inside out and then also getting that nicer roast from the outside in um, because we're able to adjust that power. And then when I, you know, convection is the main addition with the microwave, but we've got some of these speed ovens that have a broiler built in. They might have a baking element underneath. They might have convection. Um, so we're starting to see multi-function um, heat delivery there to get the best of, of all of those. Uh, really quick here, you'll see this is a probe built into the oven here. Steam ovens and wall ovens, range ovens, most your mid-grade ovens and above are coming with a built-in internal probe. So this is what, again, something we use in restaurants all the time. Uh, whether it's built into the oven or it's an external thermometer that I'm probing inside the oven meaning that I get the internal temperature of the roast, the chicken, whatever I'm cooking as it cooks, right? Because the doneness is determined by the temperature we reach on proteins and, and most foods, we're going to be able to see that internal temperature. And again, this is technology that you get to interface with here on the oven front, or most brands now have that interface jumping to your app in your phone. So I can see the internal temperature of the food that I'm cooking. I can see the temperature setting and adjusted of the oven itself in my phone app while I'm engaging with guests or while I'm doing something else in the home. Um, so it really enables us and extends our capacity there. So a lot of great features and functions there. Talk a little bit on the automated cooking. We've touched a little bit. It's those pre-programmed recipes in your touchscreen ovens. We're seeing apps that now um, you know, we can, we can scroll through recipes and say, hey, this is what I want to cook. And then the cook hardware can kind of engage with that. We saw Gen Air, which is owned by Whirlpool Company, by Yumly, which is a, a recipe website. And they're integrating that uh, to some extent. I don't know what all's gone live. This is something they've talked about for years and they're working on is, hey, scroll the, these recipes on your on our website, click, I want to cook this one for dinner and potentially you know, those recipes are then going to be accessible in your appliance, which then would be able to go through the steps of that cooking process with you. You know, say you put the probe in and it says, okay, now I'm at this temperature. So I'm going to switch from convection to broil to finish off on those pre-programmed settings. So we're starting to see a little bit more of that integrating in. Um, again, I have the picture of the Heston Q because they do this really well where this cookware and this this pan and, and burner are going to integrate and, and synchronize through the app. So, you know, I cooked my steak and it adjusted the temperature and says, okay, now it's time to turn it over. Um, so we're seeing, you know, better results with less effort and some of the decision points, some of the determination of doneness is already is, is you're assisted in that. Cause that's what people get anxious about is like, Hey, how do I know when it's done? How do I know when I go to the next step? So we're seeing automated cooking, pre-programmed recipes. Some of those steam ovens are going to have bread, you know, white bread, French bread, different breads that you'll click on it and says, okay, here's our cycle or here's our preset setting, which is going to mimic a, ba a bakery oven, which starts with steam to get that nice rise and get that good crust developed and then switch to dry heat. Um, so we're seeing, I'm seeing a split in the market where 
uh, you've got your clientele that wants an oven that stick shift in, in essence, that's turn on tactile. Hey, I want to turn this oven on and off. I tell it what to do. And then you're seeing people that are, that are approaching it from the tech side that are a little more wanting to learn things as they go. So they're saying, Hey, I want these built-in features and functions. So there's a place in the market for both, but it's definitely just asking and finding out um, what, what technology lines up with people's needs. And that's, you know, that, that dovetails right into the connected appliances. So your connected smart appliance, we're seeing the smart kitchen really kind of come along here. The smart home with all of your integrated technology that you're able to, to monitor from far are able to engage with. Um, keep an eye on, you know, we're seeing air quality control, we're seeing, you know, your, your thermostat controlled remotely and all that, that's integrating into the kitchen as well. So we're seeing, like I mentioned, the monitoring of your cookware, um, your cooking appliances, every brand now pretty much has their own app as a hub so that, you know, I know GE has theirs where you can look at your refrigerator temperature, you can look at your oven and adjust it if you need to, you can also get updates from, um, and your, your washer dryer and stuff where they're starting to say, okay, so after so many loads, it's going to prompt you to order your, your detergent or whatnot. So, you know, some of these are stitching together with your grocery ordering and whatnot. I will mention, you know, some people are like, oh, well, why do I need my appliance Wi-Fi connected? One of the added bonuses is actually diagnostic. So think of your car when you take it into the dealership or your maintenance, they're going to plug in that, um, the diagnostics so they you know the, the computer in the car tells you what's happening and you can troubleshoot that way same thing is happening with our appliances where say you call service and if you opt in and say yes i'll share data when you set it up it'll relay that information to their your service um, facilitator so that one they can bring the right parts the first time and we're not having to have a whole diagnostic um, session, you know, we're, we're reducing the amount of trips and reducing the, the wait time there because we're not having to have someone come in, tear your, your, pull it apart and figure it out. We're seeing a lot of diagnostics. Remote diagnostics is really helpful for that, that user experience um, when, when, and if anything needs to be fixed. So even though you may not utilize all these functions with connectivity, having that enabled can really be helpful. Um, I think that's, that's the big main points. Uh, I'm like a tape recorder. You just get me going and I just, I just go and there's so many things that are connected and, um, oh. yeah, I mean, I'm, I really love, love teaching. Oh, Chef, that was absolutely fantastic. I learned Great. 10 new things that, Great. you know, and the danger of doing this stuff always is I go, Oh, I need that. You know, oh, <laughs> I need one of those. I just have the old stick shift. Uh, so this is why I work in the showrooms because I get to play with it all. And people yeah. are like, well, what's your favorite? It's like, I don't have to pick. I get to play with them and, and they're going to change that range out in a year when the new one comes out. So, yeah, that's nice. Uh, we had talked as we were prepping for today and I had asked you the question, what are you most excited about that's coming on the market? Can you talk a little bit about the product that uh, we discussed? Yeah, yeah. I think it's really interesting. So this induction, you know, it, it creates a magnetic field, right? So that can that interacts with the metal itself. So you could actually put a towel on your burner. You can put, uh, I, a lot of times I'll put a silicone mat to protect that glass top from say rough cast iron bottom pans. And it's fine because that electric magnetic field jumps right through, right? And so we can have a bit of separation between the burner and the cookware and still have that magnetic field generate the heat. 
So some people, and there's a brand called InvisiCook, and they're gaining some popularity right now because they've come out with a product in conjunction with countertop manufacturers, specifically their porcelain top countertops, which can handle the heat. They're now building and embedding those burners into the cooktop or the countertop, excuse me, that your cookware can, can utilize. So you don't even see a burner. You do not have a glass top. You do not have a burner designated circle. You have your countertop and um, you can turn the burner on and put the pan or the cookware right on there. And it's invisible, it's invisicook. So you can have, I think they have four burner, five burner layouts. And they've even gotten it to the point where that interface, where you're the, the way to turn it on and off is not necessarily having to be put right in there. So I've seen it where people are embedding that uh, wired in interface into the, the, say a drawer underneath where those are because your induction burners are only about two inches thick, um, if that. So you could put those, you know, almost anywhere. And as long as the cooktop, the countertop uh, can handle the heat, it's fine. To, to cook right on there. And then you can wipe any splatters up in that way. So really interesting technology they're integrating there and enabling people to have a truly minimalist design, modern sleek look where you don't even see the burner itself. You, you definitely have to keep track where it is so you don't lose it, <laughs> but it's built in and it's not gonna move on you. You just need to know um, where it is uh, to be able to, to engage that cookware. So what's the kitchen of the, I mean, for a percentage of us, a large percentage of us, what's the kitchen of the future? Am I right in thinking that it's a, the top is the microwave convection, the bottom is a steam oven, it's then an induction cooktop on the right. Is that kind of the ideal? I mean, that's my my dream kitchen definitely would be the, the speed oven on top. The steam ovens are getting larger and larger capacity. Um, so we're almost to like a true 24 inch by 24 inch. And the thing is too, when you get, precision cooking, you don't need large space, right? We're able to, to cook quicker, more, more focused when we're instead of preheating in a whole oven, which in again is going to have a lot of spillover heat, extra heat. Um, so yeah, for, my, for me, I would do speed oven on top. I would do a convection oven. I like the wall oven cooktop combo as opposed to the range, because when you do a range, which is the cooktop and the, the the oven combined, you're sacrificing some functionality with for space, right? Okay. And you also have a hot oven right below your electronics. So you actually hear a lot of no fan noise on ranges is not the convection fan. It's a fan to create an air shield to keep the, manu the, the electronics from getting too hot. Hmm. And so some of those can actually get kind of noisy and, and can be kind of annoying. When you do wall oven to cooktop, you also mean that you can cook with multiple people in the kitchen without having to have someone move constantly to open and close the oven. You're getting, um, you know, better, better, usually better technology. The ranges get the technology last um, if it can fit in there. Whereas the wall ovens, because you've got a little bit more space, um, you can actually put more advanced technology in. and sometimes the brands will develop that technology in the wall oven and eventually downsize it enough to get into the ranges um where i think the interface is going is it's possible we're going to have you know a tablet interface or even your phone where you here's here's where it when it gets stitched together this is what's going to be fun because we're seeing these different components um come together where i can scroll my recipes or recipe database i like 
and say, hey, this is what I want to cook tonight or what I'm cooking in two or three days. So then it could download in, into your cookware or your cooking appliances so that I can use that interface or it can pre-program and know the steps of this specific recipe, right? To the point where also I've got the guided recipe, I've got the ingredient list, um, directions, right? That can also integrate eventually into a grocery delivery or a meal planning software. So say I pick, here's the six meals I'm cooking this week. Um, and it could give you a prep list. It could give you a grocery list and even order those groceries. Um, so we're starting to see some of all these different things, getting a couple of that functionality together. Um, and it takes a while for it all to stitch together. Uh, especially with the built-in stuff, right? The large manufacturing. So, I mean, that's what I envision um, it all coming together to do. We'll just see, you know, how that happens. Incredible. Um, Nancy, I know you just put in an induction cooktop. Uh, do you have any questions that you want to ask the chef? Um, yes. No, I, although I'm, you know, kind of regretting I didn't do the separate cooktop and wall oven, but we didn't really have space for it. So, no. um, but this is really fascinating. I'm, I'm excited to now I'm excited to even use my induction cooktop even more. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And it enables you to do more stuff. And sometimes it, it takes a little investigating or experimenting to, to find all that. And I'll say, you know, the, the, the industry standard 30 inch range, more and more of them are induction top available, right? That's your standard footprint that, yeah that most home, most homes are going to have. When you get into your custom or your premium, that's when you're going to have the space to do the cooktop wall oven separated out. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. My I, son and his wife just just redid their kitchen and that's what they did. And it's, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's also added bonuses, the, the aging in place adaptivity of the cooktop and wall ovens, because, you know, a range, you've got to bend down and get in and out. And then that's why yeah. we have to slide out racks right is so that i have access to get stuff in and out a little bit easier where the wall oven you know i don't have to strain to you know i can open right. it up easy access so something people do consider with with that yeah yeah good stuff awesome yeah so great to spend time with you as always uh like i said i think uh, hopefully everyone on the call we learned 10 things like i did <laughs> Right. Yeah. I'm out here, you know, the, the manufacturers train me on all their stuff so that I, you know, what I really like to do is translate this technical things into usable information. So I do, you know, the consultations with customers, kitchen designers to teach what's available and then also how to communicate with the homeowner, like how to decide like what, what fits their, their cooking style, their lifestyle best. I think it's a great resource because we hear, you know, so many homeowners are, they're stuck on gas and not that there's anything wrong with that, but to give them a resource like you, they can spend some time, learn about what they might enjoy, uh, learn about what's new. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's a really great resource for the EBA community. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm happy, happy to help. Glad to have the connection. And, and speaking of, you know, the gas, you know, I, I don't, I think open flame cooking has its place. In the home setting, I, I recommend doing it outside. Get a propane gas burner, wok burners that are high temp. You don't have to have ventilation. You don't have to have a restriction on BTU. So I see a lot of people, as we adopt induction into the home more, 
you'll see some specialty items, I think, come up in the on industry where we are starting to see power burners for outdoors. You know, you can get a built in or even a cart, a cart wheeled one where it's 65,000 BTUs and you're doing wok cooking, beer brewing, crab boils, paella, all your party food can be out there, which again, you have that high intense heat for a concentrated cooking experience. Hmm. Are you seeing any new technology from a grill perspective? I mean, I keep thinking, am I, you know, are there dual fuel grills where I could cook with electric and have a high output burner or do you, do you look at any technology for the outside? Yeah, for sure. No, we're seeing, we are seeing some uh, induction side burners being mm. built onto grills, mm. you know, cart grills, um, the outdoor, you know, I mean, outdoor kitchens are a huge category, huge, now. huge growing. Right. Yeah. And so that's where I do say, Hey, you know, if you're going to do an outdoor kitchen, Think about doing a high, high, high to beat you burner. And most of your, your premium grill companies are making those now. They're mm-hmm. usually half set. So they're lower set, kind of like hip height, because you don't have to get a giant pot up on a counter height. Right. So we're seeing, you know, um, those high walk, walk burners, power burners for that, that kind of outdoor grilling with your grills. You're also seeing infrared. So gas powered infrared burners. So going back to that type of heat transfer, think of um, that old debate, charcoal versus gas, right? Charcoal is true radiation heat. Charcoal gets glowing red hot. So I'm using the infrared heat, surface to surface transfer of heat, light waves, right? So that gets you that nice crisp grill exterior. When you look at a gas powered grill, really you're creating an outdoor oven. You've got radi- uh, conductive heat with the grates, so surface to surface, and then you have convection, so the ambient heat. Well, now we're seeing gas-powered infrared burners where we're creating that glowing red hot in a ceramic uh, burner. And so you can get that high temp uh, grilling. So my grill at home, I've got the, the infrared burner grill that burns, that I sear on, and then I move it over to my offset radiant heat to get that, that slow cooking. And then the best, the big thing to keep in mind when you do outdoor, there's barbecue and there's grilling and they're very, very separate. One is low and slow and you're controlling the heat and you're, you're almost, you're like brazing, right? And then there's high temperature grilling, which is burgers, brats, and, and that searing, right? So some people go into it, oh, I want one that does everything. And nothing does everything well. So you want to kind of, you know, separate out what you want to accomplish and kind of um, pick and choose. Oh, that's great advice. Jeff Forlines, thanks so much for spending some time with us today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks a bunch.